Hi, and welcome to the Authentic Audience Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Ritma. This is a marketing podcast like you haven't heard before. It's about real connections and honest conversations. Why am I here? To remind you that you can fly. If you're brave enough to listen to that calling inside you, I'm here to serve you and show you that marketing can and should be honest, that the truth sells and authenticity wins. So how can businesses and brands build a real and authentic audience? The Authentic Audience Podcast gives you insight into growing your business and marketing strategies to gain real followers and loyal customers. Each week, I create a space of radical honesty for thought leaders and entrepreneurs who have built successful businesses to share their insights on business, marketing, relationships, life, and spirituality. Each episode is sure to remind you the power of storytelling and truth selling. Get ready to get real, get raw, get honest, and keep growing. Arian Lewis is the CEO and founder of Kiln, a flexible office space and co-working communities that elevate performance and lifestyle. Prior to starting Kiln, Arian led the creation of global co-working brand for Barclays PLC called Rise. Rise exclusively for fintech with locations in London, Manchester, New York, Tel Aviv, Mumbai, Cape Town. Arian is a native of Utah and holds an MBA from Oxford and a BA from BYU. I personally was visiting a kiln space in Boulder and was super blown away and of course felt the need to get in touch thanks to our mutual friend Erin Weed. So thank you for being here. Our listeners are familiar with Erin Weed. She's a mentor in my life. She's been on the show and she's just been a huge connector in my life. So welcome. Yeah. Erin's a great person and thank you for having me, Krista. We're excited to um, you know to be, to be on your podcast, and hopefully that we can hopefully we can contribute something interesting. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that the co working space is a really important and powerful conversation right now, post COVID, or I don't even know if we can say post COVID, but in a world that looks really different than it did a few years ago, and. When I went into Kiln a few months ago, I just felt like this major exhale of, oh my gosh, there's people, they're creating, it feels really good. I don't know why it feels good, but it feels amazing in here and who's behind all of this. And then of course, Aaron was like, you must meet him and have him on the podcast. He has so much to share. So I would love before I get into some specific questions, maybe you just to give us some more context of the story around Kiln, the mission, and anything that feels important to share. Sure, you bet. So Kiln is a co-working or flex office company, um, but we consider ourselves a lifestyle brand. So we think of what we do through the lens of how we elevate the lifestyle and performance of our members while they're at work. Um, The genesis for Kiln goes back uh, almost a decade now to an earlier brand that was created called Rise. Um, As you mentioned, Rise has locations all around the world. And Rise was, I I led the brand from within Barclays, but the creative work for Rise was done by Lee Radford, who is now our creative director for Kiln. Cool. And what we experienced uh, throughout that journey, which was a five-year process, um, was we, we were able to see co-working locations be built in areas all around the world. Um, as you mentioned, from 
South Africa, to India, to the UK, to Israel, to Lithuania, and wow. uh, of course here in the US as well. And that experience, first of all, it informed us in terms of what it is that really makes a, a co-working space special. Um, mm -hmm how you kind of curate that energy and in, enable real good, authentic collaboration between members. It also allowed us to see how different cultures and different people engaged in different ways and to be able to sort of pluck and pick some of the best things that we saw along that path. Now, I'm from Utah, and um, four years ago when I decided to start a kiln, uh, most people thought it was crazy to put a co-working space in Utah. Everything at that point was being done in major metropolitan areas, New York, LA, San Francisco, of course, Chicago. Um, but we saw a, a real growth that was about to occur in the tech ecosystem in particular, but tech and creative ecosystems tend to evolve together. And we also saw a big migration that was coming from um, urban areas to suburban areas. So moving out of the big cities and into more lifestyle markets, places like Boulder, Colorado, Salt Lake City, Utah, Park City, um, Bend, Oregon, Bozeman, Montana, uh, mm -hmm. San Diego. These are places where people want to go because they want to uh, enjoy the quality of life that's there. And particularly to, especially to connect with the natural environment. Um, but they also wanted that cool sort of urban uh, activity and ability to connect. Anyone who's worked in New York City, I, I worked in New York City for a couple of years, knows that what's great about New York is the energy that you feel. It's the vibrance of all these people going about doing something creative or amazing in their own sphere. And, and we wanted to replicate that in a way so you could have, you know, quick access to the slopes, but that yeah. hot urban kind of cool environment um, where you work. And, uh, and so that, that's what Kiln is. You know, Kiln now has five locations, but we're expanding to Southern California, Arizona, Colorado, Idaho, Montana, um, and we're currently in Utah and Colorado. So um, we're, we're just really excited about where the future is heading. Uh, we really think that the West, the Mountain West and West are very exciting regions to be mm -hmm. in. And we want to be a leader in terms of enabling people to have a high quality work environment where they can connect with other people. Uh, they can merge it with hybrid work. And I'm sure we'll talk about that more. But um, this is not about giving people space as much as, as it is about giving people uh, a community and an environment and an experience that um, elevates their work life. Mm. Thank you for sharing. I think that it's such a great time for you. So congratulations um, on all the expansion. We live in Santa Cruz and just before we, just before COVID hit, we moved out of the city and we have yet to find, I mean, for lack of a better word, I want a bougie co-working space that I can have an oat milk latte and get a lot done and connect with like really creative, interesting people on the cutting edge of technology, creativity, art, whatever it is. And then I want to go to the ocean and we really had to choose. And so we don't have a co-working space here. We've tried everything. So 
please come to Santa Cruz. There's a massive market, massive market. I can do all the marketing here. I know so many people that would benefit. We're going to talk about this afterwards. Seriously, truly. um, I would help in any possible way to be able to have that space because a couple of things I want to talk about as an entrepreneur is having a space outside of your home for work. And so many entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, I know, are working from their homes in their jammies, you know, not getting dressed. And there's an energy and a level of, you know, psychological, you know, whatever you want to call it at play that when you go into a space, when you're paying for an office, like there's just an energy that is totally different than working from home, doing an interview in my room while my husband's in the guest room and, and just separating our workspace from our home space, especially as entrepreneurs, not being able to afford massive offices, having this place where you can go get work done. It's so, so powerful. And in Santa Cruz, everyone has just moved over the hill since COVID because now everyone's working remote. There's a huge need for bougie, overpriced smoothies and lattes here. And I'm just waiting to see who's going to come in because we're, you know, it's happening. And a lot of the locals, you know, I don't necessarily think are very happy about it, but from like an housing standpoint or the socioeconomics of Santa Cruz, I'm personally excited um, to see a little bit more focus on business. I love business, but I want to live by the beach. So I think that what you've created really focuses on both. And and in Boulder specifically, there's such a cool creative community there. And it's hard to find people when you're working in your little silos. So I would love to talk more about specifically for someone who's a solopreneur, entrepreneur, the real benefits of getting out of your house and, and having a co-working space and productivity and stuff like that? Well, I, I can touch on a few points. Um, one, we're, we're most of the people listening to this podcast and you and I are fortunate to be in a part of the world and to have been probably born in a part of the world where we actually get to use, um, it, we're in an information economy, right? We're not in a labor, you know, physical labor economy. Mm-hmm. And that means that the most precious thing that we generate is actually an idea or information. And if you look at the science around the the evolution of an idea or information, the more that that idea gets circulated and bounced off of other people and little bits get added to it with each conversation or interaction, the stronger and better and, uh, you know, more scalable or more impactful that idea becomes. Um, Humans were not, we were not designed to create in isolation. Mm. And if you think of most of the creations that have happened, you know, that are either the great wonders of the world or great innovations that have happened, it's never really very rarely done in isolation. Um, Most frequently it's done as a function of somebody who's passionate about something who then engages with other experts and individuals that help them kind of grow or progress their idea. Um, I think that we innately, inherently, we want to share our own creativity and passions with other people. And we get a lot of 
energy and value when we see other people expressing their own dharma or their own um, unique gifts and talents that are centered on what they're actually doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when you come to a, a properly curated co-working environment, um, you actually, what you feel is not the people on the phone call or the sound of the coffee machine or the, you know, the other things. What you're actually feeling is you're feeling the energy of people expressing their life's work into what they do. And that's what sort of fills us with like this good energy and vibe. Now we can't, I don't know if, you know, I I don't know if you can sort of distill it down to any scientific equation, but what you can say for sure is that um, it's infectious and it's addictive. And what happens is when you're surrounded by that, which I am pretty much every day, you know, you inevitably gain some inspiration from it and it significantly impacts the way that you develop and involve your own business. Um, mm-hmm. the, the second thing I'll just mention is that um, the journey of an entrepreneur is quite lonely, actually. It's uh, so lonely. I talk about this yeah. all the time. Yeah. Yeah, it can be very lonely because um, nobody will ever be as passionate about your idea as you are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and therefore, you can never actually hope or expect that in, even anybody on your own team will necessarily be like, oh, I'm just, I'm just as into this as you are. Although I, I will say Lee Radford and I are pretty much on that page and a few other people in my team are. Um, but, but generally speaking, it's a lonely road. And so when you are around other people who are going down that road, even just seeing their kind of day to day, gives you uh, a little bit of feeling like you're not alone. Mm -hmm. And that can be um, surprisingly helpful when you hit like a mental block or when you're feeling down. When I am, when I hit a mental block or when I'm feeling a little bit deflated, I have a very simple equation. And this equation works for most people at Kiln, by the way. Okay. Which is I I leave my desk and I just go talk to people. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And I get so inspired by what other people are doing that um, I go back to my desk, you know, with a little, a little pep in my step and a little more energy. Yeah, I think that's really powerful. And I just had like a big aha moment. I have a deep spiritual practice and a lot of our spiritual teachers say the most important part is the company and that you're surrounding yourself with people that to, that are also on the spiritual journey and that are open and things like that. And it's, you know, the Sangha, the community and why should work be any different for me as an entrepreneur, that has been the loneliest, most personal growth, spiritual journey I've ever been on. And to be in isolation, especially even more so with COVID, um, we, I struggled a lot, I think with that type of stimulant or creativity or like getting out of my own, getting out of my own energy. And I think that that's what I really want to come back to is that the energy that kiln feels is you walk in and you want to create, you want to meet somebody you're excited. There's a really beautiful culture there. And I would like to talk more about the culture because I think as you expand, you know, now just talking about a scalable business, which you have done now in multiple countries. So now expanding into multiple regions of the U S 
how important like that culture is to keep. So is it important to you or is it a part of your sort of expansion journey to have very similar looks and feels? So whether you go into a space in Boulder or LA, you feel that you're in a kiln. Yeah, definitely. Although you'll notice um, that apart from our front door, we typically don't even have a kiln logo anywhere. I did notice Um, that. Yeah. Like we don't have it on our front desk, for example, because it's not, you're not coming to Kiln's front desk. You're coming to whatever member you're going there to see. It's their front desk at that moment, you know? Um, That's uh, Yeah, absolutely. So culture is the hardest thing to create. It's the hardest thing to maintain. It's the easiest thing to lose. Um, It's the most valuable thing that it's what, it's what dictates the future of a company a family, an individual, or a co-working space. Yeah, culture is really critical. And it's hard, um, and it really is, the, the, the physical environment can help. Mm-hmm. But, um, and so can, candidly, so can like getting your pricing model right. It can help. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are a few other things, but the most important thing are the people. And so the community directors at Kiln and the team of people that actually facilitate the day-to-day at Kiln, they're the ones that actually sort of protect, guide, and curate the culture. Yeah, that was the one thing I really noticed is the front desk, the the community managers, like I was there a week and I, they like knew my name. Um, they knew where to deliver the food. They knew where I was in the building. Like I felt like it was like this sort of concierge in addition to the services that Kiln already provides. And I was just really blown away because, you know, I often find that leadership directly affects culture, which which affects the brand, which affects the customer experience. And so how as a leader with you not being able to be in any place, like are able to instill that type of culture, like you weren't there, but everyone was operating as if you were, you know, like it was just, they were on their game all the time. And I think as a leader, that's really impressive and how we scale that to locations and, you know, bigger and bigger having now it's like, you just named a lot of new locations. That's a lot of new community managers and just any advice you might have for somebody scaling at a pretty rapid rate, just in terms of leadership. Um, well, I'll tell you that culture is something that I wouldn't, ironically, I, I mean, I really appreciate your kind words. I wouldn't say that we've mastered it or that we, um, I wouldn't consider myself an expert. I would say that we, it's been hard. The, the pandemic was hard. Yeah. And I think companies in general will find that remote work and hybrid work if you're not getting together with your team physically is going to make it very hard um, longer, longer term. Yeah. You'll have a, a, a connection. You can obviously, you can transact over an online forum. You can exchange information, but um, the difference between, I think what really unites a team is, is a united idea and mm-hmm. purpose that is the one thing that I can say that Kiln does do very well. Like everybody that we hire really care. They care about other people and they want 
to deliver an excellent experience. Mm-hmm. And then as a company where I think we're still learning is in terms of how we help and enable our team to do that without reaching burnout, without um, feeling you know alone at times. And I think that it's a, it's something that we are constantly sort of trying to get better at. Yeah, also, I, we're very selective now in who we bring on. That's yeah. it. I think that that's really important. And just like how intentional you are with the culture and just everything that you've been saying, I would love to actually touch on just because the importance of coming together as a team, especially when you are remote, you know, Kiln, just to give a little bit more, also has, you know, instead of little offices, like you can rent a big room for your team for the day. And it's like so nice. And it feels like you're in this really nice space. Like Aaron and I rented one of the bigger rooms for a meeting. So we had the whiteboard and the energy and the, um, just the aesthetic of the whole thing, like felt like it was contributing. Like, like you said, like the energy of the space really does affect the work. And I think the more conscious we can be of this, the, you know, the more we're going to get done. And so even just being able to meet with Aaron to come together and then go back to our solo offices and then create this energy around meeting, I would love to talk a little bit more about hybrid work and just what you see. I mean, obviously you first saw this huge expansion before most people did. Speaking of my sister-in-law who is on the real estate game, commercial real estate, just bought a property in Park City and um, a nutrition response therapist that I'm obsessed with. um, She's out there. So I can't wait to come see Kiln. That's the other thing I like. It's in a bowling alley. So cool. It's so cool. And anyway, so it feels to me that you're on top of the trends. What is the future of sort of co-working before, you know, pre post COVID? And do you foresee mm-hmm. this being more of the norm? Obviously it is right now, but I don't feel like we're ever going to go back. Right. I, I don't think we'll ever go back. Um, I think there'll always be a significant percentage of a workforce, particularly in tech, that will be hybrid. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the recent statistics are that, uh, you know, depending on the survey you're looking at, 65 to 85% of employees want hybrid work. Now, what that means and what it doesn't mean, it, it does not mean that they want virtual only mm-hmm. or even that they want virtual first, but that they want virtual optional. Mm-hmm. So, Right now, for example, almost every meeting we have has a virtual link to it, all right? So you don't have to be in person. But I can tell you that what happens in our office is when we are in person, we're we're sort of um, grabbing people and saying, hey, what do you think about this really quickly? We're having a lot more uh, smaller, unstructured, unplanned conversations um, that may come on the back or the front of a meeting. Mm -hmm. And it really speeds up. Uh, the rate at which we can make change happen in our business. Um, the, the vast majority of people will want to come to work two to three days a week at a minimum. Um, probably a few at four days a week, very few at five days a week. I think everybody appreciates the ability to, hey, you know, today I've got something going on. I'm going to work from home. Right. Um, uh, <clears throat> but I But I don't think that people want to be isolated completely. Um, 
There are, so just so you understand the industry, 3% of the United States office market is currently flex office. Now flex office comprises everything from, it'd be, we'd use the word flex office and co-working kind of interchangeably. Sure. Sure. Uh, flex office could, could include Regis, which is sort of like these drywalled in boxes, which are sort of not very engaging, um, but they're a good economical model all the way up to Neuhaus, which is a really high-end, mm-hmm. bougie, beautiful, $9 coffee kind of place. So, <laughs> um, uh, And then you have a lot of players in between. But interestingly enough, you only have about 30% of the market are brands, and 70% of the market is mom and pop shops. Mm-hmm. So most of the flex office and co-working spaces out there are usually people that are like, I needed an office, but I didn't need the whole office. So I let my buddies come around right. um, or, you know, I had an empty office and I couldn't fill it. So I kind of popped this thing up. Um, and there are some really cool examples of what people have done there. But for the most part, they, they're, because they're not, because their core business, you know, their passion every day that they wake up with is not necessarily flex office or co-working. Right. They, their execution has its limits. Yeah. And um, I think the other thing that's really changed, Krista, is that the early co-working companies, let's just take WeWork or Industrious uh, as examples. Um, they started out of New York City where there was kind of a basic underlying assumption about space, which is that space is scarce. Mm-hmm. So if we cut up the space into lots of little chunks, then we can give access to the space for less cost and less friction. Um, But the underlying idea was space is scarce. Let's make sure we, at at a minimum, enable people to get space. Right. Uh, We we sort of think that that equation isn't necessarily the right equation now. That now, it's not that space is scarce because you have the space, Krista, to work from wherever you want, basically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You can work, you have space where you're at right now in, in your home but you could also work from a variety of other locations where you have space. Mm-hmm. What is rare is the, dy- the the experience and the dynamic that you expressed about Kiln, where you come into an environment that's really designed to enable you to have the very best quality of life while you're working. Mm-hmm. And um, that's where things are going to get exciting is like where we start to think of it not as like, a oh, I have a tennis shoe on, no, I have like a performance shoe that's designed to do something very specific. I'm either running a marathon or I'm playing soccer or something. Like that. It's not just a converse, right? right? It's something, it's it's a performance product. And that's that's where the industry is heading is, is how you enable better human performance while at work, both from an individual and a team perspective. Yeah. And I, I think it's so important. And the the lifestyle aspect, I think is really what is feeling very unique to me about Kiln is that, you know, I always go back to the regular or typical marketing. I use Apple as an example, but it's like people like us do things like this, right? So it's like people who ride electric bikes do things like this, or, you know, people that have Apple products, you know, the way that they positioned us sort of like as the outlaws or the artists or the disruptors. And you want to be a part of that crew, or I have a Jeep. And every time you see somebody on the road with a Jeep, there's like a whole code that you're like in the club. 
And people want to belong. Like people fundamentally want to belong and feel seen. And because you're creating a lifestyle versus a working space, but it's actually a lifestyle that you want to be a part of, you want to belong, you want to be known and have people know you. I think that that to me is really interesting and really exciting. And the first thing I notice when I go into a space is do they see me? And for another example, in addition to Kiln that I feel very seen, um, is actually the Hyatt brand, specifically the Grand Hyatt. They have like the same robes, the same rollers, the same shampoo, like everything that like they've done their product market research and they know who they're talking to. And I think that with Kiln, my question is how do you continue to attract somebody that's very specific, that has very specific needs and keep it diverse? Or are we not as unique as we think we are? And we all really fundamentally want the same things. I guess that's my question. Like, why did I feel so seen or does everybody? And is that the intention? Hmm. Um, I don't know if everybody feels as seen as you. Like, do you have somebody in mind? that you're creating for? Yes, we do. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I would say that for the most part, the product naturally filters those people. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of our marketing is done through word of mouth. 80% of our, of our memberships are sold through word of mouth. Um, so it, it's sort of self-perpetuating in a way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I, I think that we care about finding people that are passionate about their work. They love uh, community. They want to be a part of a community. Mm-hmm. They like the way that their brand and kiln work together. Mm-hmm. So they're oftentimes creating brands that um, have a little bit of harmony with who we are and what we're doing. And then finally, um, usually companies have a similar set of values that are at kiln. And as a result, that's why they're at kiln. Um, Hmm. So for example, they aren't, they aren't passionate about having a big building with their name on it. They they would rather be surrounded by other cool and interesting people and have a big sign on the building, for example. Yeah. It's very Um, people first, which I really appreciated. And I just appreciate the intention that's going into it because we spend so much time working, at least anybody that you're here to serve does and how we can create that experience for people. I mean, similarly, I, you know, I feel this way about sleep. Like, why are we not getting the best sheets, the best mattress we can find? We're spending a third of our lives sleeping and a third of our lives working and how we can be more intentional with our space and how your experience in working with so many other countries and industries and now sort of these creatives and these more tech-focused entrepreneurs or small companies that are working in Kiln, is that a conscious, is it a conscious need? Do you find that people have like to have a very, um, like how important the space is that you're working in? Do people realize that? You know, I don't know if they do originally, but some of them, obviously, some of our members. Right, right. Do. Um, the, 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 the challenge with real estate is that we've measured its value through a very simple equation. 
price per square foot, mm -hmm. right? Um, and it's it's it, there's a lot of um, I'd say business strategy and philosophy that's been inherent in sort of the way that businesses have evolved that came out of the industrial era and came out of the concept of people as units of productivity. Mm -hmm. um, and so when they, you think about, okay, I've got 20 people, they're all units of productivity and I need them all to have a desk <laughs> and they all need to be in a space. And what's the most cost-effective way for me to accomplish that? What I think that most people underestimate and don't fully understand is how the cost of your real estate actually has a significant impact on the cost of your HR or human capital. So um, I think it's I think it's probably around 10 to 15 percent, but our surveys are showing around three to five percent, meaning that hmm. um, we believe that we save the average company around three to five percent on HR spend. That means that let's say they're they're interviewing Krista and they're like, we really want Krista to join. And Krista's like, oh, I really like the idea of working for this company and I love this environment. I could see myself coming here every day. And the company can probably get you for a little bit less. It's going to be a little less expensive. And you're probably going to feel like this is a better value for me as well, because I'm coming to work in an environment that I love every day versus a company that says, hey, Krista, we'll pay you an extra $5,000, but you come to work in uh, Uncle Joe's back office right. staring at drywall. You know, and the biggest thing that is misunderstood is actually the early stage companies, we kind of have this... Um, folklorish idea that the best way to build a startup is like out of your garage, mm -hmm. you know, where the, the thing is when, when, when Steve Jobs and others did that, they didn't have a co-working space. <laughs> they, they just had to do something. But the point is that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, for $200 a month or $300 a month, people can gain access to an environment that really can help them in the early phases of their growth. And uh, so the thing that people are, usually not understanding is how it affects your runway and your HR spend. Um, and they're looking at price per square foot through a, a kind of almost a siloed lens. Like, hey, this this is just like, a, I just need to buy like cloud storage space. Right. It happens to be for more people. Um, yeah. yeah, I think that this has all just been so interesting. And I'm really thinking about like, it's it's actually a perk. Um, to be able to offer this type of environment for people. And even if there was one in Santa Cruz or in locations where my employees worked, I would like happily pay for them to have a space because I see the value in the environment. And two things I work with actually a mentor of mine who I met through Aaron Weed. I meet everybody amazing through Aaron Weed. And um, her whole thing is collaborative leadership and working together as a leadership team and spending time together and creating company retreats and all of this stuff. And as an entrepreneur scaling your business, I feel like that doesn't come naturally to mind because no. I'm so used Super. to being in this silo and by myself. And now I have a team who wants to work together and wants to be in the same yeah. place. And every opportunity I provide for that, even though it's, it's, it's expensive and it's a cost, I fly people and we get so mm -hmm. much more done. Everyone is so happy, so connected. 
I just had a co-working week with one one of my employees down in San Diego where she moved right before COVID. Oh, yeah, talk. New location coming there. I'm so happy to hear that. I would like love to be able to offer this kind of benefit, especially to my remote teams. And I mean, there's just so much opportunity here, but the amount of work that we got done productivity wise, I'm doing air quotes was, was huge, but we found things out about each other that like, you can't find out on a zoom call. That's like designated for a particular project or topic or check-in. And it's not, it's, we can't just hang out or like have a lunch break together and really connect about things that would have never come up via zoom. So I also appreciate the ability to not just have to use kiln as a month to month, but you've opened it up for people to have guest passes or come stay there if they're in town working. And it actually made an ent- a massive difference to my travel schedule, knowing that I was coming into Boulder. My friend was having so many people at her house and I'm working like 10 hours a day these days. And all I had to do is email Aaron Weed. And she's like, we've got it all hooked up at kiln, come through, have a space. And we were just so taken care of my husband and I, and we just ended up loving it so much. We told all our friends in Boulder about it. So I think too, when you have a culture that's centered around people, then word of mouth marketing is obviously going to be successful for you. And the product sells itself. Once somebody comes in the door, you just got to get people in the door. And once they're in there, they want to stay and tell their friends about it. But I do think this whole conversation just around spending time together and being in an environment that's inspiring and like energetically uplifting is the future and the future is here. (laughs) So companies that have created an entire culture, community, business model around people, culture, experience, lifestyle, we're seeing are totally winning because you're taking care of us. And in turn, we're all going to take better care of each other and create more wealth. So I see this as an opportunity for, you know, you build it and they will come and they will create, and there will be more wealth created and more technology and more art. And I'm just very grateful that spaces like this exist, um, because it's not easy to find. And hopefully Kiln will change that. Um, you know, we tried three different spaces when we got down here And we're so unimpressed that we just canceled everything. And now I'm thinking about building a little shed in the yard. So talk to me really, if you want to come down to Santa Cruz, I even have locations. I actually have had a secret dream of building a co-working space where I feel like a lot of people do because it is so exciting and the energy of new things happening and just feeling like your space held that and like supported that and took care of those people and created comfort, even the lighting and kiln, there's so much natural light. It's not like that harsh cubicle lighting. So it's just so intentional. And I'm happy to hear that you have such a big vision for it because it really is the future. I mean, for the people that I'm talking to anyway, and the people in my world, this is an up level for your business, for your life, for your community, and it's working. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you know, one other thing I I wanted to mention too, which is that uh, one of the things that's not not well understood, but that's important is how co-working can, can improve diversity and inclusion within your own company. Mm-hmm. So let's say that you're a, you know, you're a couple guys and you founded a company and you want to bring your first uh, female member into your team. Mm-hmm. Um, 
if if it's just you, the you three guys, and and you know this this new member of your team, uh, be it a female or be it actually just somebody with a different kind of set of interests, uh, this new member of your team may or may not connect at a personal level with you and your team. Right. But they may be very helpful in terms of their skill set and what they bring to your business. But they might have a personal connection that they form at a co-working space that helps them kind of uh, just have those daily interactions that that let stress out and give them a sense of belonging and, and feeling like they're a part of something. And I think what... Um, That's what, a really good point. Yeah, it really helps in the recruiting process. Um, I also think of, I, I've known some really strong female entrepreneurs that have built some businesses and then they need to bring on, let's just say some engineering talent that they find more commonly in men. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these guys join their company. Um, and if they're at Kiln, they have a, a, a group of engineers that they can connect with and right. um, guys that are gamers or whatever, you know what I mean? And they can mm-hmm. connect in a way that is helpful to them staying with your business long-term. Um, so that, that's kind of an interesting point. We all have this idea that our, you know, if we had a four person startup, we'd, we'd want it to be perfectly diverse, yeah. you know, and I, I won't describe what those four people would be, but ideally they would all be different people with different backgrounds, you know, but, but the truth is that that um, isn't easy. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to try to do that, you want to make sure that each member of that uh, team that they have a community that they can be supported by as well. Um, one of the coolest events that we've done recently is we just had a um, Latinas in tech event. That is so, Latin, so cool. women, Latin women in tech group that meets at Kiln. They just met this last Saturday and there was like 50 amazing Latinas in tech. Um, and, you know, they, they have a little community there that, that, yeah. they, that can empathize with, you know, the journey that they're on. Yeah. And again, I just feel like that goes back to like the people like us do things like this and at Kiln, like, even though that might not be on your team, it's like the bigger brand, the builder, the bigger mission you're like held within that. And so by being at Kiln and by being in that culture, there's sort of like this idea of, oh, okay, you're here too. And we can grab lunch or we can have an event or create an experience that is more inclusive to whatever it is we're doing. And I mean, this has given me so much to think about on my own team, you know, as well, just in, in terms of building out my culture. And I just had an intern start with us and it would be so great if we had a place here, you know, I'm flying everybody in for team week and we're renting a space in the mountains and that's all very cool, but to have an office that we could like go to and have meetings in and then go hit the slopes, like you said, and then have a life. I like that you two are putting the spaces in areas where people want to have a life outside of kiln too, so that they're not staying there, you know, 24 seven, it's actually in service to them having a life, but improving their quality of life when they are working. And I think that for me is why I really found it to be so exciting because all of these little things that improved my quality of life, even just from, you know, the 
the setup in the bathroom, like it feels very taken care of. You feel very taken care of so that your only job is to show up and do what you do best and create, build, you know, whatever your Dharma or purpose is and to be around other people doing the same thing. So this has made me have huge FOMO for an amazing co-working space. And I hope to see you guys here soon because this would just be so fun to keep the conversation going and support what you guys are doing, because I really believe community, especially within my business, even in the classes I teach, even in giving these lectures, it's all been online. And every opportunity that I've had in person has just that opportunity to connect, meet, teach, lecture, co-work, network has lasted. Like you said, word of mouth marketing is always and forever will be the best form of marketing. And so to be together in community, in creation, collaboration, it's a great thing. And I think this podcast episode is a great reminder of that from both an energetic standpoint and like real statistics numbers um, and the future of business. So I'm excited to see where this journey takes you guys. It's going fast. It's very cool. Um, Okay. So before we wrap up, I just have a couple of questions just because I like to get my inspiration from my guests here is one, what are you reading right now? Or what's the best book you've recently read that you would recommend? I've been reading Be Where Your Feet Are um, by Scott O'Neill. And I really enjoyed that book. Um, I've also been reading The Culture of We. But uh, that's a little bit of a niche book on uh, the story of WeWork. But I, w- I would gen- generally, uh, the, the, the Be, Where Your, Be Where Your Feet Are by Scott O'Neill is a wonderful book for anybody listening. Thank you. I, I, it feels like I should be reading that. <laughs> I'm definitely not where my feet are most of the time. And then in terms of people that are inspiring you right now in business, whether it's, you know, you follow them on social media or just what they're doing in business, what's like exciting and inspiring to you outside of Kiln? Um, Actually, I'm really I'm really inspired by uh, RJ, the CEO of, of Rivian. Uh, Rivian's an amazing new um, car brand that I think is doing a lot of things right. They're focused again on lifestyle mm-hmm. and enabling higher quality of life through their product. Cool. That's a great answer. I'll have to check that out. My husband will be very interested. And lastly, for anybody that comes through Kiln, whether as an employee or as a guest or somebody who rents, what is your prayer? Like, what is your absolute hope, wish, dream for people that, you know, come through the doors of Kiln now and in the future? I really believe that everybody has something very special to contribute to this world. I, I, I don't think anyone came in the world without some truly unique gift. And I think part of the trick of life and where we genuinely find satisfaction and, and joy is first discovering what those gifts are. And that usually comes through a variety of experiences and interactions with other people. And then utilizing those unique gifts and talents to uh, lift and bless others around us. And 
My hope for Kiln is that no matter what background somebody came from, if they felt like they've been uh, in the shadows or in the spotlight, that they can come to Kiln and feel like they can express the very, very best of who they are individually, and that that expression can be celebrated by others around them. Sounds amazing. I'm so happy you're here doing this work and creating spaces for people to thrive. And it's been so nice to meet you. And I look forward to following the journey of Kiln and and I'm a cheerleader here um, for you guys. And yeah, thank you. Just thank you for your time. Thank you. Thanks, and for everybody curious um, to learn more about Kiln, it's just kiln.com. Um, oh, sorry, kill.co, same as me. Um, K-I-L-N.co. And you can view all their locations and soon-to-be locations. And if you are in the Boulder or Utah area, I highly recommend checking it out. And I wish I had one here. So I will be having FOMO send me a picture wherever you are. And thank you for being here. I think this is a big conversation and I'm excited to talk more about the future of business and how we can support just our overall quality of life as people while we are creating and building and evolving the planet. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And until next time, keep growing. Keep growing.